Welcome everyone to the Hikes Peak Podcast. Thank you for coming back to the mountain. We have a very special episode for you this week. For the first time ever, we're diving into Mountain West basketball. This season has already been insane with over half of the conference on track to potentially make the NCAA tournament. With so much ground to cover, let's introduce our expert who will be joining us for all of our college basketball episodes. Please welcome Matt Hannafin. What's going on? Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. We'll go over each team's season up to this point and we'll get you filled in on what to expect for the rest of the season. No time to waste. Let's get into this. We're going to be starting from the top of the conference standings and working our way down. We're going to start off with the top team in the conference currently, which is Utah State. Dane Sprinkle has done an incredible job in Logan, getting this team to 20 and four with a eight and three conference record. They started the year one and one after a tough overtime loss to Bradley, but then they won 15 straight games after that, got ranked for a little bit, and then they lost a pair of games by 14 to San Diego State and Nevada, but most recently blew out Boise State to get back on track. Overall, their three best wins have to be Colorado State, Boise State, and Akron, who is currently leading the MAC. The top Aggies players, it has to start with power forward, Great Osobar, who's been their best player this year. 18 points, nine rebounds, a steal and a block a game, and he's shooting over 58% from the field and over 33% from three. He's been the engine of their offense. Some transfers have also been making some big-time contributions. Maryland transfer guard Ian Martinez has been phenomenal. 13.6 points a game, shooting 50% from the field and 40% from three. You also have Montana State transfer Darius Brown the second, who is averaging 11.6.6 assists, four rebounds, 1.6 steals, and is shooting about 42% from the field and 35% from three. And another huge part of this team has been the emergence of freshman Mason Falslev, who's been a phenomenal piece for them. 12 points a game, four and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, one and a half steals, and he's shooting 59% from the field. The biggest games left on the schedule for the Aggies are going to be at Colorado State, which is on February 17th. A couple days later, they have a home game against San Diego State on February 20th. And then their final game of the year before Selection Sunday is a home game against New Mexico on March 9th, which will certainly be a huge game to end the season for both of these teams. This team had zero returning production last year. They made the NCAA tournament after going, I believe it was like 26 and nine last year with Ryan Arm as their head coach, Stephen Ashworth, Taylor Funk, those kind of pillars that they had. And then all of a sudden you lose your coach, you get a guy in Danny Sprink who did a good job building a program in just a few seasons at Montana State. He brings a couple of his transfers over and flips this entire roster. And like heading into the season, you don't really know like what to expect. They have the number one offense in the Mountain West right now, at least through conference play. They have a top 50 defense in the country. They may not shoot as many threes as you like, but a guy like Osobar doesn't have to shoot many threes. They're a terrific defensive team. They're incredibly well connected with Brown and Martinez with the point of attack. They lost a couple of those games to San Diego State and Nevada by 14 points apiece, but they did a really good job bouncing back against Boise State and kind of a desperation spot for them to get back atop the Mountain West. You outlined their final three quad one games that they have, but their schedule will ease up a little bit on the road at Wyoming. They have Fresno State on February 27th. They have Air Force on March 1st. They also have San Jose State on March 6th. Those four games in particular aren't incredibly strong, and so I still think there's a pretty clear path for this team, especially if they beat Colorado State on the road to secure a Mountain West regular season title. But you know, this conference, who knows what will happen? Not even just the next week, but like tomorrow on Tuesday, mm-hmm. we're recording this on Monday, how things will shift atop the Mountain West because it's so crunched within the top 718. This has been a phenomenal story to follow and I'm just interested to see how they close this regular season heading into Mountain West tournament play in early March. While Utah State has the clear number one spot by a game, you have a giant log jam at second place in the Mountain West. We are going to start with Colorado State, who 
who is currently 19 and five overall with a seven and four in conference record. This team obviously got a huge boost from the return of point guard Isaiah Stevens, who's been their best player the whole time. They got a lot of really solid transfers to fill out their starting lineup. This was a team that didn't have a lot known about them outside of Isaiah Stevens coming into this year, but they announced their presence very quickly. They started nine and oh, including a dominant win over number eight Creighton, and they ended up starting 13 and one, but then they lost four of the next six games, all of those on the road being to Utah State, Boise State, and Nevada, and also a loss on the road to Wyoming, where they blew an 11-point lead in the final minute. Despite the positives this team has put together, there's also been a couple of weak spots throughout the year. But then since then, they have won four straight with solid wins over San Diego State and Boise State, so a lot like Utah State. They slipped a little bit in this very tough Mountain West Conference, but they have regained their composure, four straight wins there. They probably have the best wins of anybody in the conference when you look at Creighton, Colorado, New Mexico, San Diego State, and Boise State. That's a lot of really highly respected teams that they have already beaten. We already talked about Isaiah Stevens. He's averaging 16 points a game, seven and a half assists, three rebounds, one and a half steals, and he's shooting 49% from the field and almost 46% from three, which is just outrageous. Colorado transfer, Neat Clifford, such a cool story just coming over from the Buffaloes, and he's just been phenomenal for the Rams. 13 points, seven rebounds, one and a half steals, and he's shooting 58% from the field and 45.5% from three. The Black Hills State transfer forward Joel Scott has been a great addition for them. 12 points, 5.7 rebounds, a block and a steal, and he's shooting 55.4% from the field. Over the last month and a half of the season, Colorado State's biggest games are going to be on the road against San Diego State on February 13th, the big home game against Utah State on February 17th, followed by a tough road game at the pit in New Mexico on February 21st and a home game against Nevada on February 27th. So the end of their schedule will soften up a little bit, but that stretch right there could make or break their season, even with how good of a start this has been. Colorado State's an interesting team to me. They've been kind of Jekyll and Hyde at home and on the road, especially throughout conference play. In non-conference play, I had them as the best team in the Mountain West. I know I caught a little bit of flack for saying Nico Medved would be coach of the year, really just strictly based on non-conference play because I liked their resume better. I liked how they were performing better, especially with those wins against Colorado, especially against Creighton, Boston College, Washington, like all those different wins. I thought that stacked up against someone like Danny Sprinkle, even though Danny Sprinkle was inheriting a team that literally had zero returning production. But it's been a bit of a little Jekyll and Hyde for them, and I think they've regressed a little bit as their three-point shooting, especially because these games that they've lost have been on the road, and that's been a little bit of a problem. You mentioned Neat Clifford. I was kind of interested to see like how he would step into that John Tanjay role that he had last year. He did a lot of the dirty work on the glass. He was really physical, kind of like tweener, guard forward. He was 6'5", muscular build. Clifford, who's about 6'7", I think 175, 180. He's done a lot with that, and then some. He leads the team in defense rebounding percentage. He leads the team in total rebounding percentage. And then it just helps when you're playing alongside the best pure point guard in the conference, and Isaiah Stevens. Really one of the best pure point guards in the entire country. Just from a defensive standpoint, Clifford's helped us a lot. Patrick Carney has helped us a lot. I like what I've seen from Jalen Lake when he's on the court. Same thing with Stevens. I think this team defense has improved more. Obviously, having Stevens healthy helps, but this team has a higher ceiling than they've had in previous seasons, I believe. And this is probably the best defensive team that Medved's ever had. And so you mentioned that stretch where it's at San Diego State, Utah State, New Mexico, UNLV, Nevada. And those are those their next five games. They're three and four in quad one games, four and oh in quad two games, but that's an incredibly daunting stretch. And if they can take care of that stretch, probably go three and two over that stretch, maybe. It's going to be a little bit tough with those games on the road against San Diego State, against New Mexico, against UNLV. But I think if they can get above 500, not only lock in their chances for a potential NCAA tournament bid, but they definitely 
definitely improve their seeding if that's the case. This is a really good team. They could be eight and three if they didn't mess up that Wyoming game. There's definitely pieces that I like on this team. I'm just interested to see how they close this out, but they got to figure out how to win on the road. I think that's like really the most important thing. They beat Fresno State, but Fresno State is one of the worst teams in the conference. We'll get into them later. If they can find a way to beat one of these good teams on the road, I think sky's the limit for them in terms of what they can do come March. On to our second team in this log jam. It is the New Mexico Lobos led by Richard Patino, of course. They are also sitting at a 19-5 and overall record with a 7-4 and in-conference record. The Lobos got off to a hot start this year, finishing 12-1 and to start the season, but their other four losses are all in-conference and they have lost two out of their last three games. But overall, New Mexico's resume is nothing to scoff at. They've got three really solid wins in San Diego State, Utah State, and Nevada. This team's got a great mix of established veteran presences and up-and-coming young players that are really seizing their opportunity. That starts with sophomore small forward Donovan Dent, who has been their leading scorer this year with 16 points a game, 5.7 assists, 1.6 steals a game, and he's been very efficient too, shooting 53% from the field and 38% from three. Their freshman power forward JT Toppin has been phenomenal. He's averaged 12.5 points, almost nine rebounds a game, two blocks and a steal a game, and he's shot 63% from the field and has also shot 32% from three. And then, of course, you have the established names that you really associate with New Mexico basketball. You have Jalen House, who's been there for the last few years, averaging 15.7 points a game, four assists, three rebounds, 2.6 steals, which is ridiculous. He hasn't been shooting the ball too well, 38% from the field and 36% from three. Everything else he brings to the game, you can't really look at a stat sheet and see that. Jalen House is the engine of this offense. He runs the show and what he brings defensively, locking up their opponent's best perimeter offensive player. You can count on Jalen House for that any game. And last but not least, Jamal Mashburn Jr., who has struggled this year. He's only averaging 15 points a game, shooting about 37% from the field, but he's still a very important part of this team. And if he can become more efficient as the year ends, this could elevate New Mexico even more than they already have. They've got some very big games down the stretch this year. It starts with at Nevada on February 13th. Then their next game is another road contest against San Diego State on the 16th. Then they get a home game against Colorado State on February 21st. And then two tough games to close out March with a road game at Boise State on March 2nd and a road game in Logan to take on Utah State on March 9th. I'm very fascinated by this Lobo team because you look at the advanced metrics just outside the top 20 in net. They were, I think, 18 in net heading into the weekend. And then you look and it's like, okay, they only have two quad one wins. They have two quad two wins. Why is that the case? Well, when you beat Nevada by 34 points, when you beat Utah State by 13 points, when you beat San Diego State by 18 points, and then other victories throughout the season, UC Irvine, Santa Clara, so on and so forth, Louisiana Tech, who they beat by nine. The point differential helps them in that case. But now four of their final six to close the regular season are going to be against quad one teams. They play two games on the road against Nevada and San Diego State. Fortunately enough for them, they have Colorado State at home, but then they have two more road games against Boise State and Utah State. This is going to be an incredibly tough stretch for them, and this is such a good opportunity to build their resume a little bit. You mentioned Donovan Dent, who leads the team in scoring. Like, if I would have told I'm a Mountain West basketball head, or really anybody who follows New Mexico basketball, okay, Donovan Dent leads your team in scoring at February 12th. What would be your instant reaction? I don't know. Most of them probably wouldn't be that good, or at least it wouldn't be as good as it has been right now, and yet they're 19-5, and 7-4 and four in Mountain West play. They have a three-headed monster with Dent, with Jamal Mashburn, with Jalen House, the latter two who have missed different portions of the season. And then obviously you have Nelly Jr. Joseph who transferred over from Iona, from Rick Patino to Richard Patino. You have True Washington 
Washington, who I, in the offseason, when I did my freshman rankings, I had him as the best freshman in the conference. Well, his teammate, JT Toppin's kind of taken that from him, even though Washington's still been pretty good. And then you have Mustafa Amsu, who's another transfer who's been productive for them off the bench. This team is really good. They have a lot of talent. Obviously, they've slipped up into the last three games. I'm not worried about it. The UNLV thing is just weird. They've lost their last three games to UNLV for their last five. I'm not really sure what to make of that. UNLV is just their kryptonite, I guess. But this is a really good team. A huge opportunity here to build their resume even further. Four of these five quad one games are going to be on the road. If they can at least secure two victories there, I think that that's a win for them. Definitely a team that could, in theory, win the regular season and solidify their NCAA tournament at large hopes heading into March if they can take care of business here. One of the great things about the Mountain West this year is just you have literally no idea how it's going to end up. It's a lot like the football season where literally every day there's a new team that's considered the best team in the conference and it's going to switch in a couple days. And you could literally look at any of these six teams that have a pretty realistic shot at making the tournament. All of them could collapse and not make the tournament. And then all of them could get even hotter than they are at this point, string a couple of wins together and win the conference. It's going to be fascinating to see which teams end up rising to the occasion, maybe which teams end up falling back, maybe because of injuries or some of those problems we've discussed with each team. It's been a very exciting season so far, and it's not done yet. On to San Diego State, of course, the runner up of the national championship last year. They picked up right where they left off starting the year 14 and two with a big ranked road win against Gonzaga. They have struggled a bit as they've gotten into the meat of the conference play four and four over their last eight games. They've got some very solid wins on the resume. St. Mary's, Gonzaga, Nevada and Utah State. Of course, you can't start talking about Aztecs basketball without talking about power forward Jaden Ledee, who's been one of the best players in the entire country, averaging 20 points a game, 8.6 rebounds, a steal a game, and he's shooting 55% from the field and 39% from three. He has been far and away their best player, and he's a candidate to be an All-American this year. USC transfer shooting guard Reese Dixon Waters has also been great for them, 11.6 points a game, almost four rebounds, and he's shooting 44% from the field and 43% from three. And some of the other veterans that you've gotten used to on this Aztecs team forward, Micah Parrish, who's averaging 10 points a game, four rebounds, a steal, shooting pretty well from the field and starting point guard Lamont Butler, who, of course, famously hit the buzzer beater in the semifinal of March Madness. He's been pretty solid this year, averaging nine points a game, three assists, 1.5 steals, and he's shooting 44 percent from the field and 31 percent from three. San Diego State is a very tough portion of their schedule coming up, starting with a home game against Colorado State on February 13th, followed up by another big home test against New Mexico. And then they travel to Logan to play Utah State on the road. Then they get a bit of a break from the top ranked competition before their final game of the year, which is a home game against Boise State on March 8th. San Diego State, they had a couple wins, so to speak, at the beginning of the season where it's like, okay, they almost lose to Washington in overtime. They kind of squeak past Cal. They obviously blew out St. Mary's by 25 points, but like they won by one point to UC San Diego. And you're like, okay, when are they going to really like ramp it up and be the San Diego State that we all know and love, despite the record being what it was at the time? They had a stretch where they beat Stanford, they beat Gonzaga, they open up conference play 3 0 in pretty dominant fashion against Fresno State, UNLV, and San Jose State, which we now know in hindsight that two of those three teams, Fresno State and San Jose State, two teams that we'll get into later, aren't the best teams in the Mountain West. But then they slip up on the road against New Mexico, they slip up on the road against Boise State, losing by one, they lose by eight to Colorado State on the road, and then they lose by Nevada by four, which could have easily won. They had their opportunities. They weren't able to close it out in the crucial moments of the game. That game also went into overtime, by the way. This team has kind of like Colorado State has been a little bit Jekyll and Hyde in terms of 
their home versus road splits, but this is still a very good San Diego State team. Lamont Butler, always in that contention to be the Mountain West Defensive Player in the Year. I was really impressed with Waters, or I have been impressed with him lately, especially when you go back and watch Friday's game, how he was chasing Jared Lucas around screens, making it tough on him just physically. The leap that Ladez had has been really exceptional because he was kind of that role player coming off the bench last year, that wing, and then all of a sudden you lose a few of these guys, and now he's turning into, as you mentioned, he could be an All-American this year. Like He's probably the front runner to be the Mountain West Player of the Year. The usage, the rebounding, the scoring production, the shooting have all taken leaps in a positive way. That can't go without mentioning. And Jay Powell's had his moments recently. Elijah Saunders has been like fairly good this year. They have that Brian Dutcher mold of being an incredibly physical team, even though it maybe not as good as last year's team in terms of what they've been able to do on the defensive end. This is still a top 25, top 30 defense in the entire country. They have three additional quad one games coming up with Colorado State, New Mexico, both at home, and then Utah State on the road. And then a little bit of a breather before the Boise State game at the end of the season. This team is still really good. I wouldn't be super fooled by the home road splits, even though it is like the win-loss record isn't great. Again, they lose by four to Nevada. They lose by one to Boise State. Those two teams are exceptionally good home teams. And then obviously New Mexico, we've seen what they've done. And I think that's the most un-San Diego State-like game that we've seen from them this season. Again, another good team that can compete for a Mountain West title, whether it's the regular season or the conference tournament. This is a really, really good team. And I also forgot to shout out Michael Parrish. He's also been incredible this year, but nevertheless. Still working our way through the contenders at number five currently. We have Boise State, who has our lowest record we've gone over so far at 16 and 8, but they are still 7 and 4 in conference. They had a really tough out of conference schedule. They started 3 and 3 there, but then they won nine of their next 10 games, really getting them into the thick of the Mountain West mix here. And they've been 4 and 4 since, so struggling a bit like a lot of these top end teams are. Mountain West play is just so tough that getting any kind of win streak is really impressive. The Broncos have arguably the best wins of any team in the conference with wins against St. Mary's, Colorado State, Nevada, San Diego State, and New Mexico. Boise State's got the same showrunner as last year with forward Tyson Dagenhart being their leading scorer with 16 points a game, five and a half rebounds, a steal, and he's shooting 51% from the field. He's shooting 30% from three, a little bit of a step back from last year, but he's still been very solid as their number one option. Another senior, Chibuzu Agbo, has been great, 14 points a game, five rebounds, shooting 45% from the field and nearly 41% from three. St. John's transfer Omar Stanley has also been great starting for them, averaging almost 13 points a game, six rebounds, a block, and shooting 57% from the field and 34% from three. And one more senior, Max Rice, who has struggled to start the year, but he's really picked it up as of late, currently averaging 12 and a half points a game, four rebounds, a steal, and shooting 36.7% from the field and from three. The Broncos have a bit of a lull in their schedule playing some of the lower teams in the conference, but they have a heck of a march to end the season with playing New Mexico at home on March 2nd, Nevada at home on March 5th, and finishing the year off with a road game at San Diego State on March 8th. Their defense has slipped up a little bit, I think, over the past two games, but like how much stock do you want to put into a two-game sample relative to what they've done the rest of the season? Like they beat New Mexico on the road, handing them their first loss of the season. They beat Nevada on the road, handing them their first home loss of the season. It would be hard to extrapolate this two-game sample. Obviously, their first two-game losing skid since November over this entire stretch of the season. They've had some inconsistencies with their guard play that you mentioned. They did start 4-4 four and four on the season, and you kind of looked at it like, okay, where exactly is this team at? Like, is this the same Boise State that we all know and love and that will compete for a Mountain West title? They've kind of shook off those demons throughout most of conference play. Again, they are competing for a Mountain West title like 
Leon Rice. This group is still an exceptional defensive team. They do have really six or seven guys that they will rely on. Roddy Anderson's been a whole lot better than he has at the start of the season as that kind of lead point guard. Omar Stanley's been such a blessing to watch just because of his motor and his effort, especially on the offensive glass and on the interior, what he's been able to do. Dagan Hart can take over really any game he wants to at any point, which is obviously a good sign. And then Ogbo, who I've been a long time fan of just because of his kind of three and D nature at that wing spot. He's incredibly lengthy. He can guard multiple positions. Really, most players on this team can guard multiple positions. And then with Anderson, what he's been able to do, even though he's had that inconsistent guard play, he hasn't let it affect his defense. And I think that's really important for his growth as a player and like his confidence, because it's like, if you can defend, you're going to play on Leon Rice's team. That's just really what it comes down to. Max Rice had that 35-point game against New Mexico. You were waiting for him to break out in a game like that at seven threes and has 35 points. I think it was a career high. I like this team a lot. I wouldn't extrapolate this two-game sample. I wouldn't be really too worried about it at all, but it is interesting how they do have three of their next four or quad four games, and then they have those three games to end the season, which could help their standing in the Mountain West. They take a little bit of a break, so there's, again, definitely a path to where they can reach the top of the Mountain West, but there's so many other teams. It's crazy to just predict, as we've talked about already. And our final team to get to with a real shot at getting to March Madness is going to be the Nevada Wolfpack. They are currently 19-5 and overall and have a 6-4 and in conference record. They started the year 15-1, and really bursting onto the scene, but then they lost three straight games after that, but they have won four of their last five, so they've gotten back in the saddle. They've got some very quality wins on their resume. They have Colorado State, Utah State, and San Diego State, as well as a non-conference win over TCU. As you may expect, point guard Jared Lucas is the backbone of this team. He's their leading scorer with 17 points a game, and he's shooting pretty well, 42% from the field and 39% from three. Shooting guard Keenan Blackshear has taken a huge step forward this year. He's right behind Jared Lucas with 16 points a game. He's also averaging 4.8 rebounds a game, 4.6 assists a game, one and a half steals, and he's shooting 50.7% from the field. Hasn't really been very efficient from three, but he's been doing all the right things. He plays great defense. He's a huge part of this team. This is a very deep roster, but the other double-digit scorer to mention would be sophomore forward Nick Davidson, who has been averaging close to 12 points a game and seven rebounds while shooting 55% from the floor. Unlike some of these other teams, Nevada's schedule is pretty spaced out in terms of competition. They have a very big game against New Mexico at home on February 13th. Then their next big game is two weeks later at Colorado State, which is going to be February 27th. And they have a road contest to finish the year against Boise State on March 5th. My allegiance to Nevada, I graduated from there. So this is obviously my school. I'm not trying to be biased when I say this team had a huge week last week. They beat Utah State. They go into Logan. They beat them by 14 in a game that I don't know if many people thought Nevada would win because of how bad they've been on the road in conference play. They beat them by 14 and then they travel home against San Diego State who this game's against San Diego State. This is how it is with San Diego State with most teams. It's just a rock fight and it's just an incredibly physical, demanding, mentally challenging game. Nevada was down by four different points of the game within the last minute and a half then at the start of overtime. They were able to secure that win. Back-to-back wins against top 25 teams for the first time in school history. This is also the first time in school history where they had three wins over top 25 teams in the season. They're one of 13 teams in the country that have five quad one wins. And this was a team heading into last week who was really in limbo with their at-large chances to make an state tournament. Like on most projection systems, they were out of it. Obviously with these two wins, they've helped themselves into that conversations, even though depending on who you ask and depending on where you look, they're probably still like a first four out, last four in. Like they're still on the bubble. Obviously this game against New Mexico on Tuesday is going to be really important. The game against UNLV on Saturday, just because it's an interstate rivalry and these teams always have good competition, that's going to be 
a close game or at least a game that's going to be a good game. Their schedule will ease up a little bit with Wyoming at home, which I'm sure they're still upset about that game on January 20th, where they lost by five after surrendering 98 points on insane efficiency. They have a game against San Jose State. They have Fresno State. They have UNLV to close the season, who UNLV has kind of spoiled them last season, the last game of the regular season, even though they still made the NCAA tournament. They were pretty lucky with that. This team has exceptional guard play with Lucas and Blackshear. As you mentioned, Blackshear's kind of taken on that point guard role. Lucas is that sharpshooter who I don't think had a three-point attempt against San Diego State, interestingly enough, but he's still one of the best shooters in the conference. Trey Coleman's a really good defender. You mentioned Nick Davidson, who is averaging 20 and 9 over his last three games. He had a two 20-point double-doubles over his last three, which was really good too. The first of his career. KJ Himes is productive, even though he sometimes gets in foul trouble a little bit. They have good freshmen with Tyler Rollison, who is a really good guard. Daniel Foster, obviously, who has been there the entire Steve Alford era. He's developed into a good role player. Hunter McIntosh has kind of found his rhythm. He's had his spots at certain points. The top four of Lucas, Blackshear, Davidson, and Coleman have kind of spearheaded what this group is right now. Hopefully their slip up in the late January was the only slip up they have during the season because this team is locked in offensively. They can get to the free throw line. This is a team that no one wants to see. And I'm not just saying it because again, bias, but I don't think this is a team that many want to see if they can get to the free throw line at the amount that they do. They have to convert them, but if they can get to the line, they can cause foul trouble. They can disrupt flow. This is a really good team and I still think they're probably out of the NCAA tournament as of right now, but certainly helped their chances last week. It's fascinating as we've gotten through these six teams that really have a shot at making the tournament. Six bids for the Mountain West is technically still possible. It's been something that's been tossed around Mountain West media pretty much the whole year and I don't think it was really serious at the beginning because it was more just like, hey, look at this. Six teams are projected to go in. That's pretty cool. But as the season's gone on and as pretty much all six of those teams had a rough week or two at some point and all of those teams found a way to put themselves back together and get back into the win column. It's going to be fascinating to see how the standings end up because you would assume one of these six teams probably falls off by the wayside towards the end of the year. But also with the way this year has been going, it's entirely possible all six of these teams have a chance at winning the conference going into like the last two weeks of the year. So it's a ton of fun for Mountain West fans out there. And it's undeniable that even if the Mountain West doesn't get six teams into March Madness, that this is arguably the top group of five conference in the country this year. And they're up there for being one of the better conferences in the entire country this year. Now we move our way to the back half of the standings with the teams that are likely not going to be making a run to March Madness, but still teams putting together some pretty solid seasons. We're going to start with UNLV, who is currently 13 and nine. They are also six and four in conference tied with Nevada. They started the year nine and nine, but they have won their last four games. The Rebels also have some very quality wins. They beat New Mexico twice. They beat Boise State. And then they also destroyed Creighton earlier in the year, which was one of the weirdest results of the entire season. The Rebels offense starts with superstar freshman Deedon Thomas Jr., who has been as advertised since the four star committed to UNLV. He's averaging 12 and a half points a game, six assists, three rebounds and a steal. And he's shooting 46 percent from the field and 37 percent from three, which is just incredible efficiency from a freshman. You got a pair of transfer forward brothers in Oklahoma State's Caleb Boone and Pacific's Keelan Boone. Caleb has been great for them, averaging 12 points a game, almost five rebounds, almost two blocks a game, a steal, and he's shooting 60% from the field. And his brother Keelan has also been averaging close to 12 points a game, close to seven rebounds a game, and he's shooting 40% from the field and 31% from three. And another player that's really made a name for himself this year is senior guard Luis Rodriguez, who's averaging close to 12 points a game, seven rebounds, close to two steals a game, and he's shooting 43% from the field and 32% from three. UNLV's biggest remaining games of the year 
here starts with a matchup against Nevada on February 17th. A week later, they have another tough home game against Colorado State on the 24th. And then they have two very tough games to finish up their season with a home game against San Diego State on March 5th and finishing the year in Reno, taking on Nevada on March 9th. This UNLV team, like you look at the metrics and like, okay, they're outside of the top 85 in net. Then you also look at their quad one wins. They have four quad one wins, which is kind of a lot for a team who's ranked outside the top 85 in net. They beat Creighton, obviously, by 15 points. That was a wee result. Although Creighton's probably just glad to never see the Mountain West again, or at least for the foreseeable future. They beat New Mexico, they beat Boise State, and then they beat New Mexico. As we talked about a little bit about earlier, they've had their number. Again, they beat them twice this year. They've beaten them three straight times for the last five. Richard Patino's entire tenure at New Mexico. But this team is a little bit like schizophrenic, for lack of a better word, just in terms of like how they sometimes are just unpredictable. Yes, they have won four straight games. They've won five of their last seven, six of the last nine. Like this is a team who at least appears to be finding the rhythm, but like they've played down a competition at certain points this season. Like they have three quad four losses. They lost to Air Force by 32 at home, which you just probably throw that away. That was just another really weird result. They opened the season by losing to Southern by 14 points, which that feels inexplicable in hindsight. It didn't really feel explainable at the time. Then they lost by three points to Loyal Marymount in a tightly contested game in early December. They did have a quad one opportunity robbed from them without playing Dayton this season. At least at certain points throughout the Kevin Kruger era has been a little bit unpredictable in terms of like, okay, are they going to play down to their competition? Are they playing up to their competition? Like what's going to happen with this team? They've played well so far, at least over this four game stretch with San Jose State, Fresno State, Wyoming, and New Mexico. They will have Fresno State coming up, Air Force, Colorado State, Wyoming, San Jose State, San Diego State, and Nevada to close out the season. This team really isn't like an at-large team, but there's certainly a team when it comes to like the Mountain West tournament in March to close this latter half of the regular season can play a spoiler on you. And that's just the dangerous part about them. They have this hyper-aggressive defensive scheme. They have Eden Thomas Jr., who may or may not be the freshman of the year if the season ended today. I'm not really sure. It's probably between him and Toppin. They have Caleb Boone, who's been an exceptional presence on the interior and one of the better defenders in the conference. Obviously, Luis Rodriguez, what he can do at the point of attack defensively. Justin Webster, Jackie Johnson, Isaiah Contra. Like, they have a bunch of dudes who will compete and they'll be a pain in the butt for you to play against. But it's just a matter of them squeaking out more wins. This team is also a team who could potentially win the Mountain West Conference regular season. Because like, they're tied with Nevada right now. And so they could play spoiler and they could climb up the leaderboard if they were able to squeak out some of these wins against Nevada, Colorado State, San Diego State, New Mexico. It's going to be tough, but it's accomplishable. You just hope they don't play down to their competition the rest of the way with Fresno State, Wyoming, San Jose State. Like, this is an incredibly interesting team. I think I've said that about a bunch of teams already. But either way, this team is an incredibly fun watch just from what they do from a defensive standpoint and how they defend the paint, how they don't allow you to give any breathing room no matter where you're at on the floor. And then they just have like an exceptional talent with a combination of good guard depth, good wings that just supplement that guard depth on the back line. I like this team, even though you have three quad four losses, potential slip ups, and hopefully that doesn't happen for them the rest of the season. Moving on down, we'll go over Wyoming, who is currently 12 and 11. They are 500 in conference, five and five. This has been quite the roller coaster season for the Cowboys. They started the year four and one, then they lost seven of their next 11 games. Then they won four of their next five games, but most recently they have lost two straight games. Their most impressive wins are against Nevada and Colorado State. Everything on this team runs through Tulsa transfer Sam Griffin. He's averaging almost 18 points a game, four rebounds, three and a half assists, and he's shooting very efficient, 45% from the field and almost 40% from three. Another transfer that's been getting a lot of time for Wyoming is Fort Lewis transfer Aquel Cott, who's been averaging 15 points a game, shooting 44% from the field and 39% from three. Another small school transfer 
transfer in Jamestown transfer Mason Walters, which is a small school in North Dakota. He's been averaging 12 points a game, five rebounds and shooting 41% from the field. And also want to shout out senior forward Brendan Wenzel, who's been playing very well for them. 10 points, five and a half rebounds, shooting about 34% from three. The Cowboys biggest remaining games on their schedule. They have a huge game coming up against Utah State at home on February 14th. A week later, they got a big road contest against Nevada on February 20th. A couple days later, they have a big home game against Boise State on the 24th. And then their last real tough test of the year is at Colorado State on March 2nd. I was fascinated, at least earlier in the season, when like we're beginning to know a little bit more about this team. Because like if you knew what happened with Wyoming last year and how they had Ray K was out at the beginning of the season, who was the Mountain West preseason player of the year. They had a bunch of transfers mid-season. Literally the worst possible outcome that you could have for a season for an individual program. Um, and so now Jeff Linder was tasked with trying to rebuild this back up. It probably wasn't going to be an, an accelerated rebuild, but in terms of putting together a capable roster, being somewhere towards the middle of the Mountain West, I was guessing would be his general goal, or at least a reasonable expectation for him to have. And so far they've done that. They've done pretty good in conference play so far, five and five, or at least relative to expectation for what they were doing in conference play. They just did suffer their first home loss of conference play against New Mexico. They did beat Colorado State. They did beat Nevada. They did beat Fresno State. They did beat San Jose State. And I know that Colorado State one was incredibly fluky because of the course of events that occurred in the final minute of that game. In addition to what happened in overtime, I've liked what I've seen from Aquel Cott and Sam Griffin, just like in terms of their guard play. The decision making at times has been a little bit wonky, but like, again, when you have two new guards in your backcourt, regardless of how experienced they are, it could be a little bit wonky. Two primary ball handlers, it could be, it's not your turn, my turn, but it could just be a little bit wonky. I want to see them step up to the plate a little bit more. I mean, I know they don't have tremendous, tremendous size, but like, I want to see them be a little bit more physical. I mean, they do have Cogents, they do have Mason Walters, they do have Caden Powell, they do have Cam. I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name. Brendan Wenzel's been like kind of a staple last couple seasons. They do have some guys, but I want to see them be a little bit more physical defensively, at least over this final stretch of the season. I know they were against UNLV, but then they scored 48 points. It's hard to beat anybody if you score 48 points. So I want to see them step up a little bit to the plate defensively. This team does allow a lot of threes. They don't force many turnovers, or at least not as many turnovers as you would like. But this is like a good transition year for Jeff Linder in terms of the program that he's putting together, what they're doing in conference play, even though it's not like the most sexy compared to the top six or seven, especially after the stretch that they had at the beginning of the season where they started losing games heading into conference play. And they're still losing games, but at least they're competing in some of these games, especially at home where it's an incredibly tough place to play because of the altitude. All right. Our next team is Fresno State, who is sitting at 11 and 13 overall with a four and seven Mountain West record. They finished their out of conference schedule at eight and six, so not too bad. But then they lost seven of their first nine Mountain West games, which obviously puts you in quite the hole, although they have won their last two games. No real specific wins on their resume stick out. The Bulldogs also don't really have a true star. They have a lot of players on their starting lineup that are contributing a lot. You got senior guard Isaiah Hill, who's averaging 12 points a game, six and a half assists, three and a half rebounds, a steal. He's only shooting about 40% from the field and 34% Three. Wyoming transfer Xavier Ducell has been very good, 11 points a game, shooting 44% from the field and 42.7% from three. Another guy I want to shout out is Arizona State transfer center Enoch Bielke. He's averaging nine points a game, eight rebounds, a block, and shooting 65.5% from the field. Obviously, this season hasn't been anything crazy for the Bulldogs, but they still have a lot of chances to play spoiler as the season comes to an end. They got a road game against Boise State on February 17th. They got a home contest 
contest against San Diego State on the 24th. A couple days after that, they have another home chance against Utah State. And then to end their season in March, they have two very tough road contests at Nevada on March 1st and at New Mexico on March 6th. It's been a little bit of a troubling season for Fresno State, especially after the murmurs last year in terms of Justin Hudson being on the Hots. How is that going to develop itself throughout the season? They didn't have, as you mentioned, they really didn't have a standout victory in non-conference play. Like they beat New Mexico State by five in overtime, who's 215 Ken Palm. They beat Idaho State by 12. They beat Colorado State Bakersfield by three. They beat San Diego by four. They didn't have a true standout victory. And all those teams that I just mentioned are ranked outside the top 200 in Ken Palm. So, and then their only four conference wins have come against San Jose State and Air Force, who we're going to get into in a little bit, but those are the two worst teams in the conference by a fairly considerable margin. In Air Force's case, at least this last game on the road, while Air Force has struggled at home this season, they needed a 29-point effort from Xavier Jussel to win the game. This team is a little bit confused. They play the slow tempo. They're going to try to muck things up for you offensively. They're not a great rebounding team, which is troubling. They kind of play that Princeton-ish style offense that Air Force kind of runs, and that's kind of what they've done under Hudson, at least outside of the time that they had Orlando Robinson, who they kind of played through in the post. I wonder if like this team can pick up any wins against a non-San Jose State and Air Force team throughout the rest of the season. You mentioned they have UNLV, Boise State, San Diego State, Utah State. That in and of itself is a grueling stretch, but then you have Nevada and New Mexico, and then really Wyoming is the one breather that you have to close the season. They played Nevada a little bit tough at home earlier in the season. They played Boise State at home and almost won that game in late January. They played Colorado State a little bit tough to begin that game at home in early February. When they're at home, four of these next seven games are going to be at home, giving teams a little bit of problem, but it's not consistent enough to where like they're closing games with victories. I think that's been one of their biggest issues is being able to close games or at least being able to, to string together two productive halves. And I, there are guys that I like on this team. I like Isaiah Hill. I think he's one of the better pure point guards in the conference sneakily, even though he's on a bad team. Isaiah Pope's been productive. I like what I've seen from Jalen Weaver, especially over this recent stretch. He's kind of developed into his own this season. Boyachi has been like a solid rim protector and he's been by far their best rebounder. When he's not on the floor, they don't have the rebounding or at least the requisite rebounding to close possessions on a consistent basis. We've seen flashes from Eduardo Andre at times. Like they have guys who I like, but they just haven't been able to put it together, specifically to put it together on the defensive end. When you can't defend in this conference, you're not going to survive because there's too many good guards. There's too many good wings that we've been over already. And when you can't match that with the scoring, this offense just can't score sometimes. It's a little bit of a problem. And so that's why you see them beating teams like San Jose State and Air Force without being able to beat everyone else because they can't get stops or they can't score enough when they need to. And that's just how Fresno State season has gone from a conference season standpoint. On to our second to last team, which is going to be Air Force. They are sitting at an 8-15 and record with a 1-10 and Mountain West record. They actually had a pretty solid start to the year. They started 7-2, not against insane competition or anything, but a good start to the year. And then they have lost 13 of their last 14 games. They do have a very solid win against UNLV when they blew them out, but that's about it. The players they're relying on, forward Bo Becker has been very good for them. He's averaging 15 points a game, almost five rebounds, and he's shooting 51.5% from the floor and 42% from three. Another junior and guard, Ethan Taylor, has been playing very well, averaging 15 points, four rebounds, three assists, a steal, and not shooting too well from the field, 39%, but he is very efficient from three at 37.6%. And their other big contributor is sophomore guard, Ritis Petritus, who is averaging 15 points a game, six rebounds, four assists, almost two steals a game, a block, and he's shooting 47.6% from the field and 38.5% from three. Obviously, Air Force is 
not going to be playing in March Madness this year. They do have the opportunity to play spoiler a bit. They have a tough road game against New Mexico coming up on February 24th. And they have a chance to beat Boise State at home on February 27th. And then their month of March is quite rough, kicking it off with a road game at Utah State on March 1st. And then their season finishes with a home game against Colorado State. We've known like the recruiting limitations and the size limitations that Air Force has because they're service academy. They can only be so big. They don't really have access to the transfer portal like other teams do, which has hurt them. They did start the season seven and two winning six straight games for a period of time, but the competition was dire. No disrespect to those teams, but like Lindenwood, William and Mary, Nebraska, Omaha, VMI, South Dakota State, Portland, like that's not stiff competition that you're playing against, especially when four of those six games over that six game winning streak were at home. Then they get to conference play. They have to play at that Princeton offense, slow tempo. They do shoot a lot of threes. They try to get a lot of stuff at the rim. There have been times where they've caused some trouble against some teams like UNLV is the best example because they beat them by 32 on the road, which is again, one of those games where you're just like, wait, what happened? How exactly did they win by 32 points and score 90 points against that defense? But other than that, it's been a tough season for Joe Scott. Again, this is just a byproduct of being Air Force sometimes and like, again, having that size and recruiting limitation. They did lose their best player last year in Jake Heidbreeder. He transferred, I believe, through to Clemson. When you're trying to supplement production with that, I like what Ethan Taylor's done this year. He's been a little bit inconsistent at times with his efficiency, but I like the process that he's had offensively. Bo Becker, he's improved in all areas of his game. He's shooting over 40% from deep this year after shooting, I think, below 34% from deep last year. He's been incredibly productive, especially over this recent stretch. Obviously, Rydas Petritus, who missed a portion of the season, is still one of the best players they have. One of the better forwards that we have in the conference, even though he is one of the main producers on this team that hasn't been productive at all this year. They'll compete in some games. They competed against Nevada for a stretch. They competed against Fresno State this last game. They've competed a little bit against San Diego State. The score wasn't super indicative of how the game ultimately played. They competed a little bit against Wyoming at home. They'll compete in these games. They obviously took Colorado State to overtime earlier this season, but it's still a tough stretch when you're limited to what you can do from like the players that you have from a physical standpoint and you're trying to compete in one of the best conferences in America, a conference that might be better than the ACC. Like if you hear that, you're just like, wait, whoa. Like this conference is really good. The top of this conference is lethal. It's a tough stretch that they're going to have coming up after San Jose State. They have UNLV, Mexico, Boise, Utah State, Wyoming, Colorado State. It's not easy. Potentially, they may be able to squeak one up against San Jose State. I expect them to be either 10th or 11th once the Mountain West tournament rolls around. They're three games back of Fresno. It's hard to make up that ground against that competition. And our final team to go over, which is the second of our two bottom dwellers, is San Jose State. Obviously, this was a team that played very well last year but with Amari Moore leaving for the NBA, this team took a very big step back. They finished their out-of-conference schedule at 7-6, and six, but they have lost 11 of their 12 Mountain West games. They don't really have any impressive wins to speak of. Players that are leading the charge for them, junior guard MJ Amy has been their best player by far, 15 points a game, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 1.5 steals, shooting 42% from the field and 33% from 3. Junior point guard Alvaro Cardenas has also played very well, 13 points a game, 5.7 assists, 3.4 rebounds, a steal a game, shooting about 45% from the field and 38% from three. Junior forward Tibet Garenner has been very solid, 12.7 points, four and a half rebounds, shooting 40% from the field and 37% from three. And last guy I want to shout out is Trey Anderson, the senior forward who is averaging 11 and a half points a game, of four and a half rebounds a game, and he's shooting 49% from the field and 42% from three. Obviously, the Spartans aren't going to end up on the selection show when we get some March Madness, but they do still have the chance to play spoiler. You got a road game against Boise State on 
February 20th, followed by a home game against Nevada on the 23rd, followed that up with a road game at San Diego State on the 27th. And then their final big test of the year is a home game against Utah State on March 6th. I was interested in them coming into the season. You have this historic season. Omari Moore is the conference player of the year. I believe Tim Miles was the coach of the year. Maybe I'm wrong with that. This team was really good last year. Okay, now Omari Moore, he heads off to the NBA. Who's going to step up? Who's going to be that next guy? And I think MJ Amy's done a really good job with that so far. It feels like it just hasn't been enough. I mean, there has been some issues with his consistency. Warner has been phenomenal this year in terms of over his previous two seasons at San Jose State, plus his season at Arizona. He wasn't really known as a spot-up shooter. wasn't really known as like a good three-point shooter or an efficient three-point shooter. He's developed into that this year. Cardenas, who was kind of their secondary creator last year because of the kind of usage that Omari Moore had, he's kind of developed into that pure point guard role. They did lose Diallo last year. I want to say they lost a couple other guys who were like their backbone defensively, or at least one of their better defenders, or a few of their better defenders, excuse me. Defensively, this season has been a tremendous problem, especially over these recent stretch of games. They had a brief lead against Nevada, but then there's like a 40-point swing. They give up 82 on the road to, to Utah State. They give up 95 at home to New Mexico, who again is one of the most explosive offenses in the conference. They give up 85 on the road against Fresno State, who, as we just outlined, hasn't been really been that good of an offense this year. I think they've been better lately. They When you score 57 points against Fresno State, when you score 47 points against Colorado State, that's a problem. When you put together roughly 80 points per 100 possessions against or one of the worst defenses in Fresno State and then Colorado State, who, I think, again, I think has improved defensively. Again, you're just not going to win many games. It's been a struggle for this team to at least conjure together like consistent efforts. Like They gave Boise State a hard time at home earlier in the season. They gave San Diego State a hard time. They obviously beat Air Force by three points. Like They nearly beat Fresno State. So like you could be looking at this and this team could be easily be four and seven or whatever, but they're not because they have the consistent problem of closing some of these games. Most recently, it's been just the lack of offensive production or at least the lack of offensive firepower that you need to compete with some of these teams in comp, especially against Nevada, against Utah State, against Colorado State, all on the road. Those are all very, very hard places to play, but you can't string together barely 60 points. Like that just can't happen. That's it for this episode of the Hikes Peak Podcast. Thank you so much for coming back to the mountain. Make sure to make the trek back here next Tuesday for another brand new episode, which will be on college football. The plan is to alternate sports each week. Special thanks to Matt Hannafan for making the trek up here to talk ball with us. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. If you enjoyed the episode, rate the show five stars on whatever platform you're listening on or leave us a review on iTunes. Nothing helps the show out more than that. So any ratings would be greatly appreciated. Follow us on Twitter at MWC Connection and find all of your Mountain West news at MWCConnection.com. Thank you again for listening. This is a big step for the show going into college basketball. So hopefully you enjoyed the switch up until next time. I'm Jack Thompson. Enjoy your life.